want to say a special word of thanks to Ashland. Thanks for leading us uh, today in worship. Um, this past Monday night, Corey Phillips was approved by the District Charge Conference to be a licensed local pastor. And the fruit of that was you could see him just read those hard words just beautifully and perfectly. So, yeah, that's a good word. So. Carol Lehman was asked to speak at a local school's teacher rally. She had invested and worked with the Good News Club. Many of us over the years have been involved in Good News Clubs on, in private schools and public schools. And so she was asked to, to speak at this local school at the teacher rally. And she had asked one of the students, hey, would you pray? Would you get up and pray for me as, as I'm about to do that? So the little child got up to the mic in front of this rally of a couple of hundred people and said, let's pray. Lord, help Miss Carol as she speaks in front of these millions and millions of people not to be afraid. <laughs> you think she was afraid? Yeah, because she had that word right there. There's a bazillion people in this room and to prove that public speaking, especially if you're over the age of 40, is real. I've asked Rusty, we've got a microphone here, and I'm going to walk through the crowd this morning. And I'm going to come to you, and I just simply want you to tell me your favorite verse and why, okay? No, I don't want to move, so I'm not going to do that. But, but, but that's real. Public speaking is a fear is real. With, on Wednesday nights, we're going through discipleship and Mark's gospel, pun intended. They are all marked by fear. Over and over again throughout that gospel, when Jesus comes to them, when Jesus is on the boat, fear after fear after fear. Fear for God's people throughout Scripture happens too often. I think if you just put the word fear and search the Bible, it's 300 40 to 365 times that word shows up. That doesn't even count the words fearful or distressed in our text today. Fear is a temptation that comes to God's people over and over again. And just listen, it's everywhere in our world. Whether it's TV shows like Fear Factor or MTV's Fear, or whether it's just the media, right? Every promo for the local news is this. You see a promo come on at about 4 o'clock, this news could save your life. If you don't watch this program, you could die at any minute. Report at 10.30. Well, what, what am I going to do for the next four, five and a half hours as I wait? Well, they've got fear on you that you will stay up till 10.30, which is a slight miracle for some of us, to stay up till 10.30 to watch that. Why? Because of fear. The world and culture and media, they know how to play on fear. It's big business. The number one movie last week at the box office was what? Halloween, right? So fear sells, whether it's video games based on zombies. It sells medicine. Will scare. Listen, you see a commercial for a medicine, you're thinking, oh no, I need that, right? That scares me to death. I better take that. And then when they show you the possible side effects, that scares you even worse than what you could have with the medicine. Fear is everywhere in our culture. I, I'm in a a band meeting that meets every Thursday morning, a couple of pastors, we get together. And just one of those pastors sharing uh, about something going on in an extended family member's life, so I'm not breaking confiden uh, confidentiality by saying that, extended family member's life, having a struggle with a, a child, and just how every time the phone rings, 
Is, is this going to be the call, right? Not his family, but an extended family. Just constant fear that comes to us. And we'll talk about this Wednesday night. We're not going to have time to go through all this, so this Wednesday we're going to punt our discipleship study and talk about this a little bit more in depth. Uh, but it, it, those feelings can come to all of us. So don't let Satan or yourself guilt you into when I feel or experience fear. Uh, don't don't that allow that to happen. But we at least want to look at what do we do with that fear? Do we let it paralyze us? Especially our walk with God. Because there's all kinds of everyday fears. If I said, look, just to test your face this morning, I released a spider in the sanctuary. Now, if I told you that and it was real, how many would get up and leave, right? Right? Look, when my daughter was given three or four little baby snakes by my father-in-law at, at our parsonage in McGee, and Sarah said, keep them in the bucket, right? Sarah went out of the room, came back in. There was not a snake in that bucket. She had dumped them out, and they had gone somewhere in the house. We still, for those five years we had there, this happened early in our ministry at McGee. For five years, one of our best friends wouldn't come in our house. Why? There's probably a baby snake somewhere in that house. She got wind of that story. We could go to their house. They weren't coming to ours. Fear gets us. Snakes, bugs, mother-in-laws, whatever the fear is for you. We had a judicial council ruling this weekend. We're thinking about the big, the big uh, specially called general conference in, in, in February. That causes fear. Y'all, as an administrative council, we've been talking about this meeting for the last several years, ever since I've been here, and we're going to begin to talk more intensely about that. But am I going to let that cause fear or worry in me? Sure. I'm going to feel it. Even our bishop last week at the district charge conference said, yeah. It's a worry before me. But you didn't sense that he was unsettled. You sensed a deep hope in God for what could be the people called Methodists. Let's continue to pray about that. We update our website weekly about that, so you can go on there for all the latest information. But certainly when we bump into that and that reality is ahead of us, no fear can come. Fear comes from almost page one. Genesis 3. What's the, one of the very first effects, not the first, but one of the very first effects of sin? What's one of the first things Adam does? I hide. Why? What does he tell the Lord? He's fear. Gen chapter 3, verse 10. Fear's right there, and then it's throughout Scripture. In our passage today, fear comes, and it's throughout the disciples and even into the church. We see everyone struggling with fear, even though God has said clearly in 2 Timothy 1, 7 to us, Oh, you're not to be given to that, right? Power, love, discipline, those things you're to have a spirit of, but you're not to have a spirit of fear. So with this week, I thought, with all that's on us this week, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about what happens in the life of David. What do we see in David when a very real hurt, very real loss, and a very real fear comes to his life? What's the response biblically that we not only are to have, but we can have if we're in the Lord. So, turning to 1 Samuel 30 and uh, looking at this, the first thing I would say to you is, yes, certainly, David wrestles with real fear. This is a warrior. This is, a, this is somebody, Scripture, this is a man of violence in some sense, right? And yet it's, it hits him, this one who can do incredible things, and yet it comes to 
him. And you look at all the adversity in his life. So many times of crisis. Here, this horrible loss of family. And it, and it even gets deeper. So what does he do with this fear? Listen, sometimes you go back to chapter 21, and you see David fake insanity. So there are times he doesn't do what he ought to do with his fear, okay? He trips up like, like we can, but here in 1 Samuel 30, let's just look at looking at these verses. What do we see here? First in verse 4, it's real. This isn't just crying, this is weeping because of what's happened. This is a very real fear that strength has gone from him. And he's going down to the next verse, he's distressed. Wives are taken away, so you've got not only family uh, loss, but then the issue of what's this going to mean if we go? What, what life's going to be lost then? What's going to happen then? The Bible from page one does not sugarcoat what we go through. Adam and Eve, from right there, we, we feel guilt and shame. We try to hide ourselves foolishly. We experience fear of God. All the, it doesn't sugarcoat anything for page one and on. And here's David, this exalted warrior, and he's struggling. What do I do? The fear is real. Family loss, the potential of war. And then you get to verse 6. They're getting hot with him. They're becoming bitter. What have you done? Listen, people pleasing, do you live in fear of that? Can pastors live in fear of that? Can moms or dads live in fear of that? Just worried about what everybody else is thinking, and I, I need to be a yes person for everyone. Here, David's about to lose their favor, potentially. And on top of that, they may kill him. You got that fear of just not only saying you're out of favor, but you're gone. How do you press through that? So it's no wonder then he's distressed, but Renee hit it right on the head this morning. What do you do? All that, loss of favor, loss of life, loss of family, the potential of war. You just strengthen yourself in the Lord. And that's what you see David do here in verse 6. He strengthened himself in the Lord. I like what Larry Libby says. What happened when David took his fear into the presence of the living God? Somehow, his fear was transformed. David crawled to the Lord in profound weakness, yet the moment he held empty hands to heaven and grabbed a double handful of the Lord is God, his strength hit his system like an adrenaline shot. Though circumstances had not changed, David had changed. How are we about empty hands before the Lord when those fears come almost sometimes at every turn and saying, Lord, would you give me what you gave David that day? Let me strengthen myself in you. Because typically, when those fears come, and so many, whether it's with our children and grandchildren or the future or jobs, whatever it might be, when those come and they're so big, the tendency isn't to press through them, but to actually take a step back. And it's as though we're paralyzed. And, and some of those worries aren't even real, and yet we let them stop us in our tracks. You've seen that with people or family or churches, a worry out there that may be, but that has not come to be, and yet it just stops us where we are from doing what the Lord has called us to do and what the Lord has called us to be. 
I rarely, uh, I rarely share about past churches, uh, but I do want to share one testimony because it, it, gives, it gives God the glory in this. At my last church at New Albany, uh, the day before uh, we were to go there, we just we got some horrific news. Uh, one of the students on a student mission trip, and you may have heard about this or prayed for that church for this, but the day, bef- the day before I was to leave to move to New Albany, one of the students on a mission trip to Costa Rica was killed. They were sitting on a rock with other students out by the ocean. A rogue wave came, knocked three students off of that rock, and one of them drowned. Not only did he drown, but it took days to find him. So how, how crushing is that to lose a kid who I was told was one of the sweetest kids you'd ever meet, but then to have to wait for days uh, to find him? And then on top of that, he was not a member of the church. And so you've got that issue in the community. Not only was he not a member of the church, even though he was probably a bigger part of that youth group than anybody else, more faithful, more involved, he was also black. And now you've got this struggle within the town. Did they take care of that child versus the other children who were swept? All this stuff that's just absolutely crushing. What do you do with that? I was so pleased how many other churches from every denomination rallied around that church, walked with those kids, loved those kids. But months after that, we began to pray and think, do we go again anywhere with international mission trips? This was this church's first international mission trip, as far as I could tell, ever. They had been to Mexico, but in terms of just going, never been before, their first step, and to have this horror. What do you do? Basically, a year to the day from when Marshawn had died, with several members of the original team present, they led a worship service on that beach in Costa Rica. To say to the people there, as well as to our church and other churches, we're, we're trusting the Lord, even with our pain and hurt. We're trusting the Lord, and we want you to know, Costa Rica, we love you. We love you, and we love what's happening here. You talk about a fear that could have held somebody back, and yet it wasn't just that trip, but then there was another international trip, and another one, and another one, and another one, even bringing missionaries over to visit with that church not paralyzed by a very real and crushing fear and hurt. And yet there was still faithfulness to step out and say, Lord, we're we're trusting you. We're strengthening ourselves in you. And that can come. That can just come. Here you see David distressed. David facing an incredible loss as well as worries about what's going to happen to himself. And yet he strengthens himself in the Lord. And then verses 7 and 8, and this is key. Not only does he say, I'm strengthened in you, Lord, but then he turns to the Lord and says, what do you want me to do about this? Not just come and minister to me, but seeking and pursuing the Lord, saying, what's next? Where do I go? What do I do? And the Lord tells him what to do. You go and pursue them. But first, it's David's initiation to pursue the Lord before he pursues anything else. But also... It's a great reminder again because when we've been hit when you've been hurt and when there's fear 
way it can control and it can just keep us locked down but he says lord what do you want me to do and the lord says you go and what does david do he just goes but only under the lord's direction when we've been hurt it's you might want to lash out at somebody who's hurt you some fear or worry comes and you might want to go over and try to control that nope your first question is what lord what do i do about this not lashing out not trying to control but lord this is on me what do i do and then when he says go then you step out in faith and you go coming with right fear before the lord keeps our eyes on him on his purposes his plans as well as his provision so what do we see here just some reminders to us and we'll trace more of this on wednesday night together but what do we see how does this play out when fear comes now i don't have it in this story because david's faithful through the life of this story but you can see some people on the sidelines and what happens when they let fear get the best of them when they let distress or bitterness get the best of them first we see that there's always a lack of life the abundant life that christ has come to give his people we miss the life that we are to have when we let fear consume us when we let fear paralyze us you look at his life here scared of all kinds of loss scared of struggle scared of opposition even by people that he loves and then you see the same thing going on in their life and matter of fact if you read down and finish the rest of the story not only do they want to stone him beforehand but after 600 go but then you'll read the story only 400 go to get everybody back and then when they come back those couple of hundred that were tired and couldn't go on guess what the 400 not all of them but some of them want to do we're not giving anything to those 200 I mean, you just see this bitterness that creeps in even after victory. Uh, when you and I al allow fear or distress to rule us, boy, that crushes the life we're, the, we're supposed to have and can have. And then there's this reminder as well, this lack of faith. And you see that in some of the, the side players of this passage. Uh, and then lastly, it's the lack, and you see it in their response of the 400, the lack of community first and most importantly is community with god when adam and eve sinned going back again to genesis 3 what they realized is that community a relationship with god had been broken that they went into hiding they had separated themselves from god and it's when you look at david's life even at the loss of his son what does he do and Corey talked about this in his student ministry i guess a week ago what do you do with that kind of brokenness and loss, when you know it's really on you and your fault that you've lost this child, what do you do? David got up and got back in community with God. Washed himself and got back into worship with God. Uh, fear can keep us from uh, people. It can make us step uh, back. But the reminder here is David stays in community, and even when these couple of people from the 400 want to tell tell these other 200 you don't get any of the the victory from from this david won't let that happen it's all about community it's one of the things i love about our new recovery ministry if you want to consider being a part of that leadership team we're meeting not tomorrow but next monday night at 6 30 but we're i've been talking with ronnie over at first baptist i've been talking with a pastor over at broadmoor i've been talking with andy at saint matthews why because we want to be the community of god together in our community uh, reaching people who have hurts hang-ups and habits that are keeping them 
uh, from the Lord. You see this reminder here. Fear can cause us. We talked about public speaking. If I was to go around with a microphone and say, what's your favorite verse? You could, you could spit that out. But what if I went around with a microphone and said, how are you struggling this week? What's really going on in your life? That'd be really difficult. And you would say, and I would say, well, it's difficult because we have 300 plus people here. That'd be difficult in front of one person, Right? What we tend to do with fear and struggle is we isolate. And we don't let anybody know. Sometimes we don't even let God know. But we sure don't let somebody else know and walk with us. So that, as Scripture says, 2 Corinthians 1.4, He comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. We won't let anybody in our life to do that for us, even though that's God's design. Fear, control, struggle, distress. We step back from God, but we also step back from one another. We step back from community. David won't let that happen here. The question is, how will you and I let that happen? Everybody, everybody wrestles with fear. Abraham, Genesis 15:1. Isaac, 26:24. Moses, Numbers 21, 35. I just go on. John, over and over again, the Lord is having to tell the people of God, do not be afraid and somebody did the math you know how many times jesus has to tell his disciples that especially after resurrection it's like he spends half his time telling them that how is it he's, is he saying that to you today whether it's a fear or a worry that you have it could be very legitimate but he's saying oh don't don't you dare step back from me don't step back from somebody else in your life to walk with you don't let don't step back from what i'm calling you to do and to be whether it's in the workplace or for your family or friend you're trying to reach for the gospel when we take a hit when we take a worry when we take a hurt the tendency is to be paralyzed david's example reminds us you per, you seek the lord strengthen yourself in him but you don't do that alone don't step back be in community let's pray about that Father, we thank you for this example in David's life, and it is, it's my prayer this morning that we would see ourselves in his story for whatever uh, we are experiencing, fear over a child, uh, concerns about our denomination, uh, struggles over work or within our family. Father, that we would trust you, that we would find our provision in you, that you would be our strength. Uh, but Father, as well, uh, help us to be faithful to see the importance of being comforted by those who have been comforted by you, to be open to others who will walk with us and strengthen us. Help us not to be anxious or fearful of that. Father, as well, if there are things in our lives where we're struggling, help us to pursue you, to seek a word from you before we respond, before we act, either out of fear or the uh, desire to control. Let it only be your will and your way. We thank you for this a word. Now, Holy Spirit, would you bless our response to it? In Christ's name we pray. Amen. It's a wonderful, reassuring word for